Have you ever wondered how successful architecture, engineering, and construction companies scale their business? Or have you ever wanted guidance on how to get more growth, wealth, and freedom from your AEC company? Well, then you're in luck. Hi, I'm Will Forat. And I'm Justin Nagel, and we're your podcast hosts. We interview successful AEC business leaders to learn how they use people, process, and technology to scale their businesses. So sit back and get ready to learn from the industry's best. This is Building Scale. Hey, 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 everybody. We got an exciting one for you today because uh, we we realized that we completely missed something as we've been as we've been doing this. We were at a conference, me and Will were at a conference last week, and we uh, talked to a whole bunch, whole bunch of business owners. Um, and Will's been doing these speaking engagements kind of throughout uh, the country a little bit here, Midwest mostly. And it dawned on us that as technology experts, we are not explaining enough about how technology is impacting the AEC industry and how we like we see modern businesses, uh, construction companies specifically, really honing in on how they can operate their technology and look at spend and everything like that to a maximum amount. Essentially, we, we need to break that down for you because it's the obvious thing to do as uh, that is our expertise by all means. So, uh, Will, uh, let's let's answer the question just straight out. So how do construction companies that, you know, high end, modern, top level construction companies, how are they looking at technology and then how are they leveraging that technology to scale their businesses? So you need to understand that they look at it in five different categories. OK, so software is one category. Communications like phone, internet, AV, things like that. The, that's another category. And they spend huge, huge dollars in that. And then you got your resources, which is kind of like your desktops, you know, computers. You know, you've got your engineering firms that will spend more. And then, you know, you've got your front, your front desk people that uh, they'll spend a little bit less on them. And then you've got cybersecurity and business continuity. And oh, the feared word of cybersecurity, right? So they understand those categories and they understand that they need to spend money in those categories because it's all their goal is to leverage the technology for their benefit. The end result is time. So, okay. So obviously technology has different aspects. I think most people know that, but why break them up in these five categories? Maybe obvious, not obvious, but one of the reasons is because from a PL, a profit and loss perspective, you can start making decisions on it. There is a way to calculate you know, spending money in these categories and the return you're getting. So by breaking it up, instead of having this big lump sum of IT, right? This is my one line for you don't do that because then you can't make any decisions about it. So one of the reasons is because of PL uh, and being able to start making decisions on it even do key performance indicators around it. Another reason is by separating it, separating it out, you can make decisions on, should you do more in terms of business continuity? Should you do more in terms of cybersecurity? There are ways to deal with that. It's also hedging risk. The other reason why is hedge, hedge risk, like not even big companies, companies that understand, construction companies that understand to scale, they will spend money purely because they want to they don't want to be slowed down by their technology okay so it's a strategy rather than just a a one-time value okay 
those would be at least some of the some of the headlines. Okay, so one, I want to break these down a little bit in depth because I think that it's important to understand. I know you gave some examples. Um, can you can you pull up again? I know that we are a podcast for sure, but if uh, you are seeing the video of this, uh, we want to give you some visualization because sometimes it's helpful to kind of get a grasp of what's happening. So what we're looking at here, let me explain for people that are just listening, is uh, essentially a, a, a circle diagram. Is that the easiest way to put that? Yeah. With circles outlying uh, uh, it, and, and they're of different sizes. Uh, the big circle that's kind of in the middle there is time. Uh, you have software resources, cybersecurity, business continuity, and communications. They're outward circles, and they're of different sizes. So what do you, like, when we walk into a, a company, a uh, construction company, what do, what do we see generally, Will? I mean, if they have any type of construction management software, I mean, uh, you know, if they have any type of, um, usually we see them spending a whole bunch of money on software, okay? Because software at this point, if you're not spending money on software as at any type of scale from a construction standpoint, then you're probably not being competitive. And we see that. So uh, it could be construction management. It's also project management software. Uh, spend a whole bunch of money on communication. So your cell phones, you know, your uh, VoIP or you know, voice providers, maybe some AV, your internet services, both at your job sites, as well as, you know, uh, at your headquarters, you know, might be some of your collaboration software, things like that. So those are like the big categories that everyone seems to know and understand that they need, right? Even your accounting software or accounting software packages, right? Uh, it could be Acumatica, uh, uh, you know, Procore, Sage, like these are all Bluebeam, uh, Revue, like these are all categories of um, software that most people have either heard of, understand, or even use in their company. So they spend a bunch of money on it, right? And then, but the other three categories are the ones that are less thought about, or they're thought about very topically, okay? So resources, for example. Resources are usually the things that you can touch, okay? So that's your desktops, your laptops. So mm -hmm. it could also be you know, your servers, your network equipment, these are all the things that help you sort of connect your organization together so that you can work and collaborate together, whether they're out in the field or at home base. Even so much as to say that electricity is a resource, uh, even to say that the underlying infrastructure, so when we talk about infrastructure, we're talking about what supports your systems, okay? And the things that help you talk to the outside world, to, your, to either the owners, your, your subs, I mean, all of that, right? So anything that's really connecting you, that would be a resource or the cloud version of that, right? So that's what we talk about uh, resources. Then you've got, make sense? Got it. You want me to continue with uh, the other two categories here? Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, and uh, they they appeared to be smaller, <laughs> essentially, uh, in regards to spend on the, on the last uh, image there. Um, business continuity, pretty small, and then cybersecurity, almost non-existent, uh, is what that kind of looks like. So, yeah, very typical around cybersecurity and business continuity. Um, cybersecurity is usually an afterthought at most companies because they don't know where to spend. They think that maybe just having a firewall, antivirus, and passwords, and I'm good, right? They don't. Modern day cybersecurity is so vastly different, and 
with any type of any company that has any scale. I mean, if you're a GC or, or a CM that has like 50 people or more, like I'm telling you, you're the reason you're going to be targeted. And I've, we've got a whole presentation on that, you know, elsewhere. But the whole point is that the top companies actually do spend money here because they know it's not, a, they're looking at it as a if, it's not, they're not looking at it as a if I'm going to get breached. They're looking at it as a when and how fast they can recover. That's why they spend more money in cybersecurity. Um, but when we first walk in the door, this is what we see. And then business continuity. Okay. So when we talk about business continuity, we're talking about um, the things that sort of hedge risk. Okay. The pandemic was a huge proponent of all of a sudden accelerating. Uh, there was a big buzzword called digital transformation. Okay. Really, I don't like buzzwords, but what it really did is converting from speaking and collaborating in person and being able to work. And I'm not talking about like framing, pouring concrete, things like that. I'm talking about, well, okay, who's, what bills have you paid? Um, who owes you money? And how do you know, right? Because sure, you can have the guys out in the field that are hammering away or, you know, driving those D6s, right? Uh, but there's also someone that has to collectively money in, money out, right? Construction companies are not charities. So you have to act like it, which means they have some plans or they have some things around failover or being able to work outside of just the normal, I'm at the office, okay? So this could be, this is not just, it could be backup. It could be business continuity, disaster recovery, it could be your secondary or even third internet service provider or failover, right? It could be equipment failover. It could be, you know, because of how litigious the industry is, it could be the email archiving. So you can go look back three, four, five, six years of data and have a place to collect it and it doesn't get deleted. It's also being able to work from home, WFH, right? That was, that was the big acronym. How can I WFH work from home? That's also business continuity. Um, people that have kids uh, need to stay at home. Um, maybe you got COVID, but you don't want to spread it, but you're you're feeling okay, right? So instead of going to the office, work from home. So these are all different types of business continuity um, that helped people. It's just a category of where your technology hard costs, right? And that's where you're hedging your risks on continuing doing business, okay? Does that help? I, 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 yes, no, that, I think that's very helpful. I hope we are, we're past the top of the hill when it comes to people telling us, what do I need technology for? Because I can always hammer a nail into a piece of wood. I can always pour concrete. I can always do these things. I feel like that was a thing that we heard frequently, you know, three years ago, five years ago. But I think I think we've turned, at least I'm, I'm an optimist, right? So like, I feel like we've turned the corner and you have less and less um, construction companies saying that. And you're realizing that like, hey, how, like, how do you know a change order happened if you have no technology? How do, how do you know somebody on the project side, the project team, project management team uh, didn't have to make an adjustment or is, you know, trying to get, you know, paid by uh, a vendor or uh, making making new shipments from a supplier? I mean, like all these things that require technology at this point. And I think, I think, I believe, again, optimist here, that we've maybe 
got over the hurdle and we have less and less companies that are thinking that way. But if you're listening and you are thinking that way, please stop. <laughs> it's the easiest yes. way for me to explain it. That's not just, that's not coming from a, a high end tech guy by any means that I'm a, I'm a people of the people. That is totally who I am. And uh, it's just, it's just so bad for business. Like it's so bad to think that way for business. I mean, there are companies that think like that and, and that's okay. The reality is those companies are going to become dinosaurs. You know what happened to dinosaurs? They got extinct, right? So they're just going to self-select themselves out, okay? Modern day construction companies are thinking about and understanding that they need to spend on technology. You know what? There is one other, one other item. There's a few items actually as to why modern construction companies and modern AEC companies spend money on technology because they want to bring new fresh blood new talent and you know what that new talent is looking for even the interns oh yeah they're looking for that new technology they're looking for they're not if they walk in and it looks like everything is 10 years old do you think that they're going to want to stay at your company modern technology modern construction companies are actually very clean right it was the same like concept that the manufacturing industry had been trying to move away from for like many years same idea, right? They're actually a very clean outside of, you know, being out in the field. They're actually very clean environments, which means uh, that the back office and middle office, right? Those are all done in a way where if you want new talent, you want fresh new blood, you're going to want to coax them in with some, with knowing that you spend money on technology because technology top companies know that there's a leverage of a benefit. Right. Do you know what I'm talking about, Justin? Like, oh yeah, no, I it is absolutely technology is, uh, you know, we always talk about technology takes a process and it makes good processes better, makes bad processes faster, right? Um, we talk about that all the time, but technology also it uh, touches all all pieces of the business, right? So if you talk about retention of of employees, talk about obviously new talent. Those those pieces are absolutely indicated uh, directly from technology. There is lots of statistics out there that showcase, hey, if your business wants to get new talent, you need to be doing things that are forward thinking. Like it's just the way it works. And if you're using a Windows Seven machine or something, I, I don't even I don't even I don't even know Windows two thousand or or something Word Perfect. You're using things that you should not be using, and a millennial doesn't even know about because they're so old that's not a good place to start, right? Like you also want to utilize the skill sets that they bring to the table, right? So it's not only a one-way street there, it's the other way, right? If you give them the tools, they're going to pay it back in folds. Like that's the beauty of it. Like that's the great part about bringing on young talent. So millennials, Gen Zers now are entering entering the workforce. And it's like, they are the ones that are going to be able to optimize and use technology and use software that's going to speed your business up significantly, which then obviously means you get to take those thin margins and get, get, get a little bit more for them just because you're going to be able to do more with less people because they're using technology. I mean, human capital is always the most expensive when it comes to all businesses and certainly in construction. And this is just a place where you're able to, hey, if I actually invested the right money and got in new young talent, that's going to really dive into this technology that I've invested in. Oh man, you're it, it, you'll be forexing what you were doing in a few years. It, it's just the way it works. Percent, you know, reminds me of I think it was Pat Whalen. Uh, he said something about he gave kind of a nice little 
comparison about like what you like what percentage of time do you expect software do you remember do you know what i'm talking about yeah so uh, so one pat obviously shared with us uh the the beginning when he was a gc still before he started a software company how he just you, technology burned the construction industry so hard um software specifically software just didn't work the way it needed to wasn't ready for prime time which is you know, early adopters, it, you, you always get burned a little bit, but if you stay the course, uh, it pays off in, in a while. But too, too many companies got burned so bad. So it was this, oh my God, technology is not for our industry. It doesn't work. It's not, you know, we shouldn't go down this path. And that stigma was around for a very long time, 20 years, easy, um, if not more. And Pat had said, well, this is the thing with technology. You have to have the expectation that it's not going to work always. But if it does things a hundred times, 10 times faster, and it only works 85% of the time, the net gain is still way greater than not using technology. It is one of those things where it's not perfect. I mean, we've seen it tons of times. I know Pat would agree. Uh, Bob would agree as well. Bob, uh, Bob Armbruster would agree. Uh, you know, software, it can be clunky. Like it, it, it can be. It's just the way it is. You got to work out the kinks, work out the bugs, but that's part of the process. But the advantage that you receive from it is so great that even if it doesn't work perfect every time you're still in a better place percent you know and so this kind of goes back to you know so we talked a little bit about you know construction companies and how they kind of look at utilize uh, technology right and how they kind of look at it lens but if you look at really the reason why a lot of the industry still is 10 to 30 years behind Yes, they got burned by the software industry, right? And they expect, like, if you bring out a tool, right, let's say a hammer, I can use this hammer and I'm able to use it 99% of the time until it breaks, right? So their expectation is it works until it breaks and then get a new one. Software doesn't work like that, right? And software is intertwined on the resources that they're on. And then you have the added complexity of cybersecurity, okay? Because let's let's be honest, cybersecurity has been such a huge thing. It's on the news almost on a daily basis. So uh, it's now kind of a part of the equation as to yeah, those that don't spend more on cybersecurity and don't spend it in the right places, they eventually end up being a statistic, uh, a has been, or or they're not profitable, right? So uh, so. Don't get me wrong. I, I want to play devil's advocate here because I feel like a lot of the listeners have heard us talk about cybersecurity before. Like they, they, hey, I know that cybersecurity is important. I see it on the news. I've seen it. I'm, st- I still haven't personally been affected by it. So you know, maybe this is you know all, all, all a scare tactic. But h- how do you like? How do you justify, Will, the cost of cybersecurity? Like how do how do you take the numbers and say this is why the numbers make sense? in regards to cybersecurity? I'd say the best way to compare to, there's a few things. Comparing, if you look at cyber liability insurance or you know, air and emission policies with cyber liability, cyber insurance, all kind of this, very similar. They're asking questions and uh, in the same way that they're looking at workers' comp, okay? No decent construction company would ever go anywhere without workers comp because they know it's not an if it's a when when that 
injury happens, or God forbid, death, okay, happens, workers' comp is going to cover that, okay? And it would, and if they didn't have it, it would wipe out the company right there, okay? So cyber liability insurance is something that's going to be like, or is becoming the next workers' comp. It's just, it's a burden that the industry has to bear, which means prices of construction is going to go up. But here's the other thing. Those construction companies, excuse me, the cyber liability insurance companies are essentially asking for huge sums of money because of the amount of problems there are with cyber security at organizations. And let's talk a little bit for a quick second about the burden of just checking the box, right? So cyber, li cyber liability insurance companies are give you a questionnaire and they fill it out. Maybe you have internal IT, fill it out, and the CEO, uh, CEO or the president signs off on it. Okay. There's there's already ongoing um, uh, litigation with insurance companies saying we don't want to pay out because you technically were not truthful. Okay. We asked for multi-factor authentication. Uh, and you were only partially truthful. So we shouldn't have to pay out for the insurance claim. This is ongoing right now. And so being, being oblivious really is going to turn into a heart attack for a company. Company just stops. So let's go a step further with that. If you're a sub or you are one of many GCs that's working and partnering on a very large project, okay? What happens when one of the subs all of a sudden is out or cannot work for multiple days? They can't deliver based on the schedule that everyone had agreed to. What's the cost there? Half a million a day, million a day, right? Hundreds of thousands a day. All of a sudden you got people that are waiting uh, and going around and waiting. Well, now cybersecurity or essentially the lack thereof would be the cause of that. So if your sub all of a sudden doesn't have that, the big GCs, the big uh, CMs, the, the bigger companies are now starting to ask for this. Okay? And if you don't have it, you might not even be able to bid on the job, even though you won out on maybe the costing and the quoting, et cetera, but you didn't take into effect or you didn't take into account those aspects. Federal contracts, even some of the state contracts are now looking at that and from the private sector perspective it's lost money there is a soft cost of time that center circle that we're talking about right even though it's not directly on your pnl it affects time of not only your internal organization but the cost and budgeting of the job cost and budgeting of every aspect around it salaries right it's your it's it's sub so you want to know you want to Justify. Here's here's an example of justification. If you get breached, you're in the news, and all your HR data is stolen. What are people that are you want to hire? If you're trying to hire, and it's already really hard to do, what do you think those people are going to think about your company, and consider when they see that you? essentially allowed their personal data, social security numbers, their addresses, 
right? All that stuff all of a sudden be out there in the world. And you were the one that actually allowed it to happen. Why do I say allowed? Because it's on, the onus is on you as the construction company to protect that data. What do you think is going to happen when you, in terms of hiring, whether or not you're going to be able to bring in new talent, even old talent, doesn't matter, experienced talent. What do you think that they're going to do? You might not be able to hire them because you got a huge stain, huge mark on you as a company. It's going to cost you that much more. So was it really cheaper? Cybersecurity is not as expensive as people think. Sure, it's definitely cost something, right? But the after effects of not dealing with it is actually even worse. And cyber liability insurance companies, uh, they you're considered uninsurable if you don't even have the bare minimum, aka foundation. Be careful of just going to go apply for cyber liability insurance if you don't even have the basics. Okay. There's if you need to know, you can talk to us offline, but the whole point is there are basics like multi-factor authentication that they're looking for. And if you don't have it, you're not insurable. And it becomes a mark on your record with that insurance company, even if you do fix it. That's wild. Yeah, no, that's so wild. Ah, man, uh, they, they're not messing around anymore. That's, cer- <laughs> that's certainly the case. Uh, I want to I change gear. So obviously we talked about cyber a bunch. It, we, we can talk about cyber until we're blue in the face. So I, w- I want to hit on some of these other categories, though. Mm-hmm. So when we think about, like, it seems like software, sure. again, based upon what we've seen, it seems like software and communications, it's a thing that people try to try to be good at or you're better at, certainly. So when we look at resources and business continuity, how sure. does how does a company, you know, look at that and say, you know, I've got thin margins. How do, how do I, you know, put more money into these two areas? Let me just show you this, okay? The reason why money is spent in business continuity is because it's actually more, it becomes a pseudo insurance policy from a technical perspective, becomes a pseudo insurance policy for you to be able to continue doing business. Okay, so why, so, a smaller company, maybe it doesn't make sense to initially have two internet lines. Maybe all your people can work from home or out in the field. Eventually, you got a back office. And in order to be able to do everything you need to do to be able to invoice, you need to have some sort of backup. But it's maybe not just a backup of data. Maybe you need something that uh, backs up your entire system. Most people would be surprised to know how long it actually takes to restore. Yes, you've got your, your data backed up. You know how long it takes to, if you if your computer got wiped or if your servers got wiped or your infrastructure got wiped because of ransomware, and then try to get your data put back on. You know that there's other steps besides just putting your data back up back on your on your server. So the cost of time all of a sudden becomes huge, right? Spend a little spend a little bit more in in one place to reduce your cost of time. Internet service provider uh, failover. So you might have Comcast or AT&T, right? You have one, get the other one, because if it goes down, and we've seen this in the past few years, the amount of reliance we have on the internet, sure, we might have had more stability. Imagine what happens when you completely go down, right? If you can't access the internet, most of everything that's being done is on the internet some way, shape, or form. 
then what's your run rate? What's your run rate for the entire company that's in the office? Or you could send everyone home, but they're not going to be, are they going to be able to to handle phone calls? Are they going to be able to handle, you know, kind of progressing work? Do you even have the ability to communicate effectively with your processes across your organization with your clients, et cetera, right? And also, also new business, right? I think that that's one that people often forget. Like, sure, maybe I can, maybe I can nail something down. Maybe I can pour some concrete. Maybe I can hang some drywall. But like, how do you get the next job? You use technology, email, or the internet via LinkedIn, or you know, if you're if you're calling people, you cold call it. Whatever, however, your project managers or your sales department is getting jobs. I guarantee, if you ask them, hey, what would you do if if you couldn't use your computer or phone for a week. I, I I would gather they would say, yeah, that's not going to work for me because that's going to impact my dollars that I'm going to take home this month because it's just impossible to get new business without technology. This is that technical versus operational truths problem that we talked about previously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is something that I think most companies, especially those that are not at the top, they don't understand how to deal with, with these aspects. They don't know how to justify costs even around business continuity because they don't know, right? They just assume, oh, all I had to do was spend a little money on backup, right? Well, those that, you know, when the pandemic hit, that's that was a test, okay? Let's, let's, let's be clear here. That was a test to the maturity of businesses across the board on how fast they could pivot working in the office to working anywhere. That's business continuity, okay? That is the very definition of business continuity. So it's not even about, and the leadership behind that business continuity, meaning, you know, were you gung-ho about in, investing, right? Spend a little bit? Sure, you're, look, I get it. Margins are thin. But on the flip side, no one was waiting some of the I know of companies that pivoted within a day. There were definitely construction companies, architectural and engineering that pivoted within a day, no problem because they invested and it takes time. What the problems that K2M, we we, we interviewed K2M, Scott Maloney. He uh, literally they were good to go in an hour. Exactly. Pandemic happened, sent everybody home, they're good to go in an hour. How many people that right there, if that doesn't tell you how impactful it can be if you had a hard time. In the beginning of 2020, that should be enough, you know, proof in the pudding right there. So, and those same companies have continued to invest into technology. The problems, this is one thing that I think baffles a lot of owners and those that run construction industry. The problems that you encounter today are because of decisions that you made as a business even three to five years ago, okay? So if your strategy is to wait until something breaks, that strategy is a hope strategy and hope is not a strategy, right? I, I'm going to wait until stuff breaks because why do I need to spend any more? Look, you can do that. But if you want to scale to what some of better companies, some of the top construction companies do, they're making the room to actually spend the money because they get a return. It's not about it's not about 
for every dollar in, I get a dollar out. It's yield. I don't get as much right now. But the more I invest in it, the greater return on an exponential scale happens on the backside. The, it, it becomes uh, an exponential function in how much you gain over time. You don't see the gain right away. Some people, some construction companies, they want to see the gain within a month or within three months. That's not possible. Okay, maybe in few few places, reality is you're not going to see gains until a year from now or over a year from now. But the gains are going to be substantial, okay? Because it's additive; it stacks on top of each other. Every little, little thing that's get gets done in technology gets added to, and it, and it compounds over uh, with the previous items that were being invested in terms of technology. Have an appropriate strategy there to get sort of that return. Right, attacking the attacking those problems in the right place, attacking the root causes. Look at the return, not just over one year. If you're only looking at your PL year year over year, you're doing it wrong with technology. So I want I want to talk about resources, and I think that kind of will dive us right into time. Mm-hmm. And essentially, you know, the the question that we see frequently is well, hey, why should I buy this computer when I could buy a Chromebook that's 200 bucks or something? Like, or, you know, why, why get the you know, business uh, premium, uh, you know, subscription or the, the warranty or, you know, why get the, the, the warranty from Dell or why do these things? Can you talk a little bit more about that? So a lot of it is actually about hedging risk. Okay, so the warranty. Sure, you can get away with warranty, but take a look at what happens. So I'm going to talk to you about what smart construction companies do versus kind of the old school thinking is. Okay, So old school thinking is I'm not going to spend money on the warranty. I'm not going to spend money, um, let's say, on that software that, you know, or spend money, a little extra money on that computer because... They don't do so much. Okay, that that person doesn't do so much. Well, here's what happens. Instead of this is the whole idea of reactive versus proactive. By being reactive, when something breaks, if that computer breaks, they have to go buy a new one. The cost of the computer wasn't so much. You know what costs money? The person's time and how long they were down for. So you don't have just Chromebook just lying around, or maybe you do, okay? But if you don't all have, but if your philosophy is, I need to spend less, you probably don't have extra equipment lying around to be able to give that's ready ready to go. So my stuff is broke. Now that person and that job function is, it becomes a bottleneck for anyone else in that line or in that stream of workflow, right? So you're not only holding up that one person, so if they're down for a few hours, they're down for five hours, even, even front-end staff, you could have paid for that Chromebook five times over, okay? So because you're waiting for that person, you're waiting, and then all the other people that are waiting on that person and they couldn't get their job done. On top of that, uh, getting a little bit better, better computer. Look, if you're buying a computer because it just, you know, I need something right now. If you're spending the money to solve the problem for right now, it slows down eventually anyways. 
if you buy the computer for three years from now, then three years from now, it should slow down or start slowing down, which means that you are actually, you get the efficiency of that person and what they're doing for three years, not for a year. And then it starts slowing down or for nine months. And then it starts slowing down. You know why that stuff slows down? Microsoft releases updates. Every software provider releases updates. That's what slows down your computer. Okay. The addition. It's like when the new phone comes out and you're, you've miraculously, your phone starts getting slower. Correct. Well, why is my phone, you know, the new, the new Google Pixel came out or the new iPhone came out and my phone seemed to get a little bit slower today. That's 100% correct. Right. So you're not going to stop that. You're not going to stop that evolution because that's how the software industry the software make, the industry makes money because they add features. Those additional features, the fixing of the whatever the security holes they have, it's additional. It's a, that addition, those additions of what they're covering, becomes more of a burden for the device that you're on. So, very, it, it's this is how that short-sighted versus long-sighted thinking happens. Am I solving the problem for today, just now, or am I solving the problem for today and? three to five years in the future, right? What did it cost you? So if you're having to replace your computers every one to two years versus every three to five, it cost you 50% more and you were able to use it for two and a half times longer. Now look at the equation. What makes more sense, right? Spend $500 now versus $1,000 now. And how long did it last you for, right? This is this is the type of thinking that's missing, okay? Because you're looking at a piece of lumber, and I'm going, and you're going, hey, I can get or or steel, I can get steel at, you know, X dollars per ton today. You know, I'm gonna buy that. I'm gonna buy that today because I can use that in my job here shortly, okay? Well, you're not reusing that steel in the same way that you're reusing that computer. This is the part that companies that aren't kind of at the top, this is a little bit more of that mentality. They don't think about the return that they get on a day to day. So they throw people at a problem rather than technology. Technology is actually cheap. If you compare throwing people at a problem versus throwing technology at a problem, technology is cheap. Technology can be set up correctly and automated and they can do way more work in, uh, in less time versus a person. A person will create mistakes uh, people will, uh, and it gets exacerbated by slowness. So you make a mistake and it's slow versus spending a little bit more on technology. That's leverage. This is what top companies look at is leverage. What can I do in a smaller amount of time and hedge the risk of when to, what possible problems are with technology and hedging those risks? Very different mentality, right? They aren't, it's, I'm not looking at it as transactional. I'm framing, I'm pouring concrete. Uh, I can still, I can still do work. They're not looking at it as I can do work. It's I can make money. That's the difference. You're not making money if you can't, uh, if your AP and AR isn't in line. This reminds me, and I don't remember which guests talked about this, but it was essentially the example was given you know, thinking thinking of today or thinking about five years from now, you're putting in a basement. You know, you you know, you got the, your your 
you've got a house that you're building, you're putting it in a basement, you can put the plumbing and electrical all in now. Maybe it's 20 grand, you know, whatever it is. Or you can wait and, and do it later. But when you do it later, it's going to be a lot more expensive because the new build is not, you know, you're in the prime moment to do it while you're building the house from the ground up in comparison to trying to, oh, well, now I got to run a main line or I got to run, you know, I got to I got to run all this electricity from different places of the house. How do I get to do this? I got to not disrupt the rest of the house. You got to, all these other aspects that come into play. And that's what it reminded me of. I really wish I remember which guests uh, talked about this. I think it was Dr. Troy Hall. I think it was Dr. Troy Hall. He's the one who who did it because it was, uh, he talked about double loop thinking. Yes, well, single loop and double loop thinking. So thank you, Dr. Troy. But that that is absolutely this. Like you, you think about the future. Don't think about the immediacy. I think we get stuck too much in that time, that mindset. Okay, so let's let's finish this this whole I- idea up here. So. All of these uh, are impacted by time or touch time in some way, shape or form. We frequently talk about soft costs. You know, people like to say productivity. Uh, but when we when we've done the math and we've like broke it down for companies, we say, well, this is your soft cost loss. Will, do you want to talk a little bit more about one, what that looks like at a company and <laughs> how to not die by the million paper cuts, essentially? So. Through pure rectum reasoning, we had a prospect that essentially said, hey, we'd love to use you, but we don't have the budget. And I said, well, okay, if we can find a way where we can kind of show you the amount of time that's being lost, that time can translate into an average dollar per hour. And we find those dollars for you. Would you... Would you be willing to invest? Okay. Total rectum reasoning. Spent a few hours there. And this was like a 40 person company. I think it was somewhere somewhere around there. It was like a 35, 40 person company. We found just literally stopwatch, right? How many times a day do you do you do this? How long does it and then just seeing where there was like little little problems like little workarounds. I okay? spent, spent the day kind of talking to a whole bunch of people. Does this happen to you? Does it happen to your department? How many people, how many times a day do you do this, right? And it's like literally minutes and seconds, okay? We added this all up after we spe- spent the time. We put it all to- We put all the data together and we added it all up. And holy cow, the results were ridiculous. The minimum amount of time that was lost we're talking about a quarter million dollars of time that was lost in just waiting, okay? On things that, had they spent money in the appropriate places, they wouldn't have to be waiting. That was minimum. And it expanded to probably about a million dollars because there's a lot of things that we didn't see. And we've seen it in other, like in other clients where had they gained those efficiencies, they wouldn't be spending the time. And they did actually even throw people at the problem, right, to expand. Um, we did a case study some time ago and they went from having three people down to one person just by implementing technology in the right places, spending a little bit more on technology. They were able to get rid of three salaries. Okay. And, and I was, and it was totally worth it. Right. So 50 person company, and this was so wild in the range of like a 50 person company, 
we consistently saw a waste of somewhere between a quarter million to $800,000, like, like almost on the mark. And it was very consistent, 50 person company, 55, 45, somewhere in that range. Like it was very consistent. We were in that range consistently. Okay. This happens even at bigger companies at a hundred, at a hundred person company, it's, it's even wild. We're talking about like 1.5 million to $2 million worth of waste. Holy cow. If you had, so just imagine what you could do with that. If you spent even a third of that on technology, and I'm not saying that's like really expensive. Okay. Even if you spent like, I think it was like, uh, we had, we had someone that knew their numbers so well that they're like, for every dollar we spend on technology, we get $11 back. Okay. Right. So Ooh, love them numbers, <laughs> but that was some of that really knew their numbers. Most companies don't really understand their numbers that well to be able to say that, but we do have a client that said that and they looked at their numbers and they're like, how can we spend more? Because this is the benefit that we get. Okay. This is the type of thinking that top construction, top architectural, top engineering firms look at because the people that costs so much more than technology. An engineer, any any middle middle of the road to top end engineer, even now, even because of just of how much of a problem it is to hire people, you're talking about anywhere between fifty to hundred dollars an hour, just in direct salary. You're not talking about burden costs, right? Hundred twenty dollars an hour. We've seen that, and if there's a union, at fifty percent, right? Yeah. So now relook at spend on technology. What do you want to leverage? It's super eye-opening when we did when we did the first one, uh, the the soft cost loss uh, audit. Not a great name. Again, that was not the intention by any means. But when we did the first time, I think, I mean, we were even baffled. Like you know, we knew that there was a loss. Like we we knew, you know, there's 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 totally money walking out the door but we had no idea how much money was walking out the door um, just by, yeah, it, it just takes us longer to do things. Like we're just waiting for a PDF. We can't do, we can't print anything. We do, like all of these things that are just so easy that we don't think of in, in the day to day in the office. Uh, and it's just boom. Uh, or uh, if there's an application in the field, because it's not just the office, right? Like you have an application in the field, if that doesn't connect to your network the right way and your guys are waiting for 10 minutes to like upload their images. All right. So 10 minutes for your guy in the field that has to do his punch list every, you know, every stop, it becomes like, Oh, this is madness. Like this just gets insanely crazy. Yeah. Uh, I, I hope, I hope the listeners have, have gained a good insight and knowledge of the five categories plus the time. Um, Will, is there anything else you'd want to tie this up with a bow like? Yeah. Look, if you don't, we're here to help, right? If you want, just reach out to us, reach out to me, reach out to Justin. If you're having a hard time figuring out where, how to justify your costs, right? Look, we don't have any official assessment, but we know what to look for. At least ask the questions and we'll try to help you show you where to go. We have a few different types of assessments that we can do. And like, look, as long as you're not a thousand person company, we can we can figure something out okay i promise you I'm not charging for this stuff we just want you to do well because you're going to get wiped out here the the statistics around 
business and how many businesses in construction fail, it is eye-opening. Like the percentage of companies that fail within like five years, it was something like 90-something percent. I was like... Restaurant numbers, restaurant numbers. Just silly, just silly, silly, silly. Yeah, it was restaurant. If you want help on how to justify or even how to understand how to think about this stuff, or if you've got questions, right, I'd be more than happy to know have another episode that we break down this stuff and if there's enough people that want to know how to justify how to look at the numbers etc maybe we'll do a webinar on it we'd love to do that let us know yeah absolutely uh we'll i'll drop all this stuff in the in the uh, show notes here but yeah i'm really hoping this is impactful because I, it seemed to be that way when we were talking to people in the past few weeks, that this is something that like, it's just a, a blind spot for a lot of businesses. So yeah, but uh, that's all we got for today. So until next time, adios. Adios. Thank you for joining us today and listening to this episode. If this episode did help you, then be sure to share it with someone else who needs to hear it. If you want to be a guest on the podcast or looking for additional help on your journey to find more wealth, scale, and freedom in your AEC company, visit our AEC resources page at spotmigration.com backslash AEC hyphen resources. resources.